From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome to State of the Nation. It is February the 28th, and we're broadcasting live with today's News Talk TNT. I'm Brian McLean out of Central Texas. I'm joined by Steve Hook off the Jersey Shore. Steve, welcome to State of the Nation. Oh, yes. Uh, and what a State of the Nation it is, huh? Good to be with you, Hash. <laughs> big, big, big show. Lots to talk about. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're being nice by not calling the show Dumpster Fire because that would actually describe the state of the nation in many cases. But uh, we're professionals <laughs> over here, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Call them as we see them. Nothing but balls and strikes and uh, or no balls, as it turns out, uh, with regards mm. to a lot of these stories. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's a big <laughs> one. What, what a news day. You know, I was, I was thinking about it, Hash. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I was thinking, well, what's what's the events of tomorrow? This is yesterday. What are we gonna what are we gonna focus on? And of course, number one on the list for me was the Hunter closed door deposition today. Uh, and then maybe we could touch on uh, Lake and Riley and the uh, uh, the, uh, the the fallout of of her murder in Athens, Georgia. That's really starting to reverberate. I'm like, okay, so we can touch on those two. And then all of a sudden, Mitch McConnell decides to cash in his yeah. chip. So. What a day. Yeah, I know. I woke up and it was like the news feed was just completely flipped up and uh, over and all around. So we got a lot to cover. Um, and we do. Uh, I do want to talk about the Hunter Biden um, uh, issue sure. there in the closed door deposition. But but really quick, I'd like to make sure that you go to TNT's X.com account, formerly Twitter which is at TNT radio and share the video that's pinned at the top of the feed. We had a great discussion with Rick Munn yesterday and uh, my goodness, Steve, it almost feels like TNT and maybe even you and I are breaking out of some of the uh, algorithmic shadow banning we've had, we've been under <laughs> uh, got some good engagement on that. And uh, yeah, I just want to make sure that you get over there. And if you haven't followed TNT over there, do it and uh, retweet or repost that one up there at the top of the feed. Now, with regards to Hunter Biden, um, the younger Biden's closed door testimony came in uh, as the impeachment inquiry enters its uh, wind down phase. And this is just after months of negotiations and contempt threats. Uh, President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, is finally testifying before the House Oversight and Judiciary Committee today and that uh, deposition started around 10 a.m. and is part of the um, House Republicans impeachment inquiry of President Biden to determine if he and his family members were sold access uh, to his office and political influence while he was vice president. Uh, so what do you think, Steve? Uh, I noticed Hunter said, uh, quote, I'm here today to provide the committees with one uncontestable fact that should end the false premise of this inquiry. I did not involve my father in my business, end quote. Wow. Uh, boy, that sounds potentially, uh, I don't know, like uh, an admission. A lie? Uh, a lie? Yeah, thanks. That's a <laughs> yeah. better way to say it. Sounds like potentially a lie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, I, I just, I would just, as you were going on about this, I, I, I said, I got to Google that exact quote from Hunter uh, as he was uh talking to one of his Chinese business associates uh, to, to tell me that this doesn't sound like maybe dad was involved. Uh, quote from Hunter, I'm sitting here with my father and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. 
That was Hunter in 2017. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. Uh, and now means tonight. Uh, then And he went on. And Z, this is Chairman Z that he's talking to. If I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, which of course was dad, and every person that he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction, I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Um. Yeah. So yeah, of course, dad was involved. Are you kidding me? Who who else would be? Why would they do business with this crack addict, this, this, this drug addled hooker purchasing, uh, just to borrow a line from Hillary Clinton, deplorable guy. Uh, you know, we all get the whole, oh, he was an addict. Okay, good. Cry me a river. Uh, he was making millions from selling influence and dad was involved. So yeah, well, uh, deplorable is almost a term of endearment now. Um, I think I'll go That's with true. degenerate. Let's go with degenerate. Yeah, degenerate, debased, <laughs> uh, and now debunked. So, <laughs> Right. Well, you know, uh, Comer, of course, at, at the committee said the committee will continue to pursue every new lead, but he added he feels ready to start wrapping up the investigation. And when asked for concrete evidence tying President Biden to his family members' business affairs, uh, the chairman pointed to two checks the president received uh, from James and Sarah Biden, the $40,000 and $200,000 checks obtained through subpoenaed bank records, uh, and says that they can be traced back to the Biden family's influence peddling scheme. So I don't know. That's that's pretty, pretty concrete evidence. Uh, sounds like that's a little more concrete than Hunter's statement. Well, you know what it is, Hesh? I'm just reminded of Biden, uh, the, the, the elder, the much elder, uh, and getting elder every day, uh, when he looked into the camera and just basically said, where's the money? <laughs> where's the money? Like he was basically daring people. It reminded me of Gary Hart. Uh, you may be a bit young to remember the Gary Hart presidential campaign, but he basically told the jur the journalist at the time there was an, uh, a rumor that uh, Gary Hart was having an affair and he went and told the journalist, oh yeah, yeah, what proof have you got? You can follow me around everywhere. There's no proof of it. And then <laughs> only a Hollywood screenwriter can write it. They find him on a lot on a, on a yacht with his lover, and the name of the yacht was Monkey Business. Well, there was a lot of there was a lot of monkey business going on with the Biden international family of grift. Uh, what about those two diamonds that we know for a fact that China gave him? Both Hunter and Joe have said, "Oh no, James Biden said in the deposition that he threw that diamond in the garbage." because he was so, I guess, morally outraged. So he took an 80,000 diamond and threw it away. Sure you did, James. We believe yeah. that. Okay. Uh, and then Hunter said the other one just got misplaced and blamed it on his like his addiction. Like, well, you know, you do stupid things. So, yeah, they've thrown away about a quarter million dollars in diamonds. Um, where's the money? I don't know. How'd you afford that house in Rehoboth Beach, Joe? There's a question. Yeah, really. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. For a complete list of shows and our schedule offered on TNT, all you got to do is visit our website, tntradio.live. We serve up the latest live news and current affairs presented by a host of credible and expert commentators who can separate fact from fiction and truth from propaganda, keeping you in the loop right here at today's News Talk TNT. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, Steve, let's shift to a um, another United States Capitol uh, goings-ons here. Um, here we go. Headline out of Epoch Times, third pipe bomb camera deliberately turned away from scene. Uh, so this is pretty interesting. The third U.S. Capitol Police security camera was turned away from the Democratic National Committee during police response to the pipe bomb allegedly found near a bench at DNC headquarters on January 6. Uh, I believe this is an exclusive up there at Epoch by Joseph Hanneman. Good last name, solid last name, Slayer. Uh, security video obtained by the newspaper from Representative Barry Loudermilk out of Georgia showed camera number 8021 that was recording the operations of a bomb robot suddenly panned away from the scene just before 2:21 p.m local time there so the change in a camera view happened 10 minutes before the capitol police um unmanned ground vehicle <clears throat> ugv fired a water cannon to disrupt the pipe bomb for the second time in 20 minutes now after pointing up for a short time camera 8021 panned left to show D Street, then zoomed in various directions until settling on a nondescript parking lot view for the rest of the day. Um, now, this this camera is located um, high on the Fairchild building. Uh, it's the third Capitol Police camera discovered to have been deliberately turned away from the unfolding pipe bomb drama. So um, not surprised to see that, Steve, but boy, the narrative just falls further and further apart when you follow uh, independent media on this case, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of lessons to be learned here. I think the first lesson you just touched on, independent media. Uh, media outlets like this one right here, quite frankly, TNT. Um, yeah. A mainstream media won't go near this story. Uh, this story is too hard for them to grasp. Uh, it's not that it's too hard for them to grasp. It's too hard for them to cover with any authority because they're all in bed uh, with, with with a lot of these government types, and we know where they stand with regards to to Trump. Yeah, I, I, the more I hear about this pipe bomb story, Hesher, I think you would agree, the more it sounds like this was a Fed setup job made to look like there genuinely was an insurrection on January 6th. And it's amazing how... Uh, how we get away with broken cameras. Epstein, whoop, those two cameras on the cell block just happened to be down. Sorry. Oh, the camera, the pipe bomb camera. Oh, it, it, you know, it was turned, it was inadvertent. Sorry. It's just yeah. very convenient, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Kind of reminds me of John McAfee's untimely end also. Where's the footage? I'll just, just disappearing footage left and right. Takes me back to the Pentagon also on 9-11. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so much of that, so much of that uh, convenient camera stoppage. Absolutely amazing. Um, Steve, pivoting slightly here, um, just wanted to point this out. We have four really big uh, wildfires currently burning here in Texas. Uh, we've had some really nice uh, spring-like weather. It approached almost 90 degrees on Tuesday. Today it's down and windy, but strong winds and dry grasses apparently have fueled what they're calling the Smokehouse Creek Fire, 
which is the largest of the four in the state, even crossed state lines into Oklahoma last night. So this is in the panhandle area of the state. Schools are closed. Communities are on evacuation orders. And here's here's sort of a scary thought. I think everything's okay here. But yesterday it was a little touch and go because there's a nuclear weapons facility in Amarillo, which was evacuated yesterday. And uh, they were saying that they had no air tankers available in the panhandle area. So they didn't have the air tankers coming through and, you know, dumping the fire retardant on on any of these locations. So uh, it's a little bit scary because that is the main facility that assembles and disassembles America's nuclear arsenal. Um, But they reopened uh, this morning after shutting down last night as fire raged out of control. This is the Pantex site in North Texas. And uh, they say they're open for normal shift uh, operations today and all personnel are reporting for duty. Uh, There was no fire at the plant, says NBC News, Um, but there is unconfined fire north of the plant. So uh, big fires going on here, Steve. Yeah, well, it's that time, man, isn't it? Fire season comes around. No doubt we'll be hearing much more about these wildfires, especially in California. Um, Thank God. Could you imagine? We've been talking about a black swan event for a while. Could you imagine? Well, a nuke plant uh, goes up in flames. And guess what? We've just lost uh, the the upper third of of Texas and part of California is gone now, too. Anyway. Yeah. um, uh, It's thank God they they got it under control. I know they had evacuated the plant, uh, but then uh, the the all clear has been sounded. and, And I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that one. Hopefully those will get put out soon. It's very windy still here today. Very windy out there. Um, yeah. Steve, what about the the Larkin-Riley case? I was just watching before we came on. Uh, it's been verified that the uh, primary suspect is uh, illegally here out of Venezuela. And if you recall, we just recently talked about Venezuelan president telling Joe Biden, uh, F off if you want to send anyone back here. We don't want any people like that back from your country. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, Lake and Riley. But yeah, Lake and Riley was killed by Venezuelan. Um, and and here's the thing, uh, Hashid, I think it's very important that people understand. Uh, and we had mentioned this on the show the other day, that what these countries are doing in South and Central America, especially these far left, uh, run by tin pot dictators, uh, like Maduro in Venezuela, they're emptying their prisons. So it came as absolutely no shock when I see a headline on Bloomberg that reads, Venezuela's violent deaths fall to a 22-year low on immigration. <laughs> so v- Venezuela's rate of violent deaths dropped to its lowest level in more than two decades following years of massive migration as both criminals and victims have fled the nation's economic crisis. Okay, the victims, no doubt, have fled the the, the economic crisis. But make no mistake, the criminals just didn't all of a sudden say to their jail keeps, you know what, I'm thinking about going to U.S. Can you open up for me so I can make the trip? (laughs) They sent them here, for God's sakes. So, yeah, but what's happening in Athens is really crazy because Athens, as you know, University of Georgia, go go Bulldogs, um, Probably, if not the biggest uh, college football town in the country, in the top three, for sure. Athens, you've got Tuscaloosa, Alabama in there as well. But as a college town, it's run mostly by liberals because they're the ones that are going to get voted in. And the Athens, uh, the Athens, Georgia mayor held a, it, it wasn't a town hall, it was a presser 
but uh, it was it was a press meeting to inform the uh, the media of what they've discovered and what's going on and blah blah blah. And here's what we're going to do going forward. But a whole bunch of Georgia residents showed up and they shouted down Athens Mayor Kelly Gertz, and he was you could see he was just absolutely stunned by the outpouring. They were saying screaming at him, "You've got blood on your hands. You're a liar. Why don't you resign? Uh, you're running a sanctuary city." He says, "I." Uh, the The mayor said, "We we are not a sanctuary city." Um, and then, as if to make matters only worse, you'd think when you're in this situation as a politician. You'd think, okay, I'm going to sit there and listen to my constituents. He basically asked to have them all removed, which is just an absolute horrible, horrible way to go. And then he tried to bring up, hey, at least it's not as bad as when we had our former president who was really trying to uh, stoke the flames of, of, of hatred with his policy concerning the southern border. And then the crowd really, really went off. Like, are you absolutely out of your mind? So this is... Uh, and as you know, I, I, I hate to, I'm not trying to monopolize the conversation here, Asher, but what I would say is that we have seen this in 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 primary after primary caucus, the Iowa caucus. This is becoming the touchstone issue of this uh, campaign cycle, immigration and what to do about it. And there's yeah. make no mistake about it. Biden is on the losing end of that argument. Yep, I saw and that. So is this too. mayor in Athens. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I saw that. It was uh, the, the people were mad, very mad, rightfully very, so very also. Mad. Yeah. yeah. They wanted to know who declared it a, a sanctuary city. Who did this? I want a name. You know, there were some great comments and questions in there. Very impassioned. All right. Let's take a uh, a momentary break with the station here. We'll come right back with our friend Gerard Felitti right here on State of the Nation at today's News Talk TNT. TNT's Chris Smith. You know, there's nothing humane in the boat people, people smuggler trade. Nothing in you, nothing humane about it or compassionate about it at all. This has always been one of the great delusions of the left. And if they didn't learn that lesson from the tragedy of the uh, Rudd and Gillard government, when over a thousand people drowned on, on the oceans to the north of Australia, if they didn't learn that lesson about a thousand people, including women and children drowning, well, they're very slow learners and they're bound to repeat that mistake. But that's because their ideology superseded the practicalities of the issue, right? Yeah, absolutely. Albanese from the left was always ideologically bound, almost fanatical, hysterical, about saying if you don't believe in taking all the refugees, then you're some sort of barbarian, a racist, a bigot from Western Sydney. Chris Smith on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Well, as we touched on during the opening, today has been an absolutely huge news day. Now, given that Hunter Biden was already previously scheduled to give this closed-door deposition, the writing was on the wall for what we were going to talk about today. Well, we were going to talk about Hunter Biden and the international Biden family of grift. But then Mitch McConnell threw a wrench into our plans. This morning, Mitch McConnell decided that he's going to bow out. Now, calls for 
McConnell's ouster have been growing in recent months, even in recent weeks. Two weeks ago, Senator Mike Lee uh, went on Sunday morning futures with Maria Bartiromo on Fox News, and she, and he called uh, for Speaker McDonald to step down. And of course, there's the famous blanking when he just kind of stops doing what he's doing and just looks ahead. So we've all seen this. Um, the past uh, week, the rumors have been floating around that Trump had been looking to kind of secure the leader's endorsement. There was some scuttlebutt on X and various platforms saying that there's been communications between the Trump campaign and uh, spe- and, and Leader McDonald's team. And everybody's like going, oh, God, he's going to kiss the ring, isn't he? No, maybe these backdoor meetings were really about McConnell stepping down. Maybe that's what it was all about. Maybe we'll never know. It's a moot point, really, because McConnell did decide to bow out today uh, with a passionate and, frankly, if I'm honest, it was a very statesmanlike approach to his speech. His speech was good. I think he should have bowed out a long time ago, but he did it with a pretty classy touch. Uh, So we can say whatever we want to about Mitch McConnell, but he did know when it's time to get off the dance floor. Maybe he could give uh, old Slow Joe a clue, too. Joining us to break all of this down and a lot more, our good friend Gerard Folletti. He's senior counsel at the Lawfare Project. Uh, Gerard, uh, thanks for joining us on State of the Nation. As always, my friend, how are you? I'm good. Always a pleasure to be on. Yeah, it's it's good to have you. So we wanted to talk, and we will. We'll get into the Hunter Biden fiasco. But Mitch McConnell all of a sudden decides to upstage Hunter and say, I'm going to cash in my chips. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, what do you think? What, I mean, my, my immediate mind goes to who's going to be the next leader uh, for the GOP in the Senate. There's a lot of names being tossed around, but what do you think the direct result of this is going to be? I think that there, first of all, I agree with you. I think what he did was a class act. I think he he bowed out gracefully and he sets the right message. He is at that point in his life and his career where he is perhaps not the most nimble person to be leader of a very contentious uh, Senate dealing with issues that are uh, very taxing on everyone. And I think it does send the right message to Joe Biden because whatever we think of McConnell, he had a lot more energy than Sleepy Joe. Uh, so I think we, there's a lot to be learned from that example. As to what it does for the Senate, I think we won't really know until the November elections. McConnell staying on until November, that's when his resignation will be effective as as leader. And that does give us a chance to shape the Senate, see who is elected, and that will really inform on what direction the Senate will go. If we have more conservatives, if we have more Trump uh, Trump fans, really, uh, people who support the Trump agenda, we will see it going a certain direction. You, you, you see names like Lee being bandied about for leadership roles. But I think it's too early to tell. I think that the nature of the Senate will change pretty drastically in September, uh, in October, and and if it's on election day, we'll have a different Senate. Uh, a lot of seats are up for grabs, so we. It, I think it's too early to tell what's going to happen. And do do you? I, I know this is sort of speculatory, but do you think there was? Like Steve kind of intimated that. Do you think there's anything there about the the push for for him to maybe get behind? Uh, a Trump nomination uh, now because it's looking pretty obvious that's what it's going to be like. I mean, just sweeping, absolutely sweeping primaries and caucuses at this point. Uh, do you think that could have been a factor? Maybe his like hesitancy to back Trump? 
Well, I, th I think it's very hard to back, back, back Trump when you're on the record as saying that you think he should be subjected to the criminal justice system for January 6th. So that put him in a position where he can't really be out supporting Trump and maintain any credibility. So I think that was a factor because everyone else sure as heck wants Trump, and that's the direction the party's going in. And if he's the head of the, the leader in the Senate, but saying no, it's a bad look. So I think, again, he did the right thing, and that may well have played into it. Yeah. And, you know, the thing, Gerard, was it wasn't that he was just kind of underhanding the way he was dealing with Trump. I, I, I Could you imagine being either Speaker McCarthy or Speaker Johnson now having to deal with Mitch McConnell over in the Senate? Because, I mean, the Senate was always kind of like, oh, well, those crazy SOBs in the House, I don't know what they'll do. Me and Chuck just want to get stuff done. I think that he was kind of had kind of lost touch with the base of the party, if he was ever in touch with the base, uh, and just decided I can't do this. And plus, frankly, he's eighty-two; he is older than than Biden, even though a little bit more with it. You know, the the blank space is notwithstanding. Uh, do you think that his endorsement even means as much now, or is it or is it moot at this point? I think every endorsement matters and you want people like McConnell endorsing Trump because Trump is very popular with his base. He's very popular with MAGA. But we and we know think what you will of Nikki Haley. She does have supporters. She does speak for a small portion of the Republican Party that's not very keen on Trump. And let's face it, in November, we want everyone to come out and vote for the candidate, which, let's face it, will be Donald Trump. So you do want endorsements for people who hold a different view. You do want endorsements and support from people like Mitch McConnell. But when that doesn't happen, then all the better that he steps down and lets other people take that role. And to, to your point, he's making a mess on, on the House side of, of Congress as well, because doing that deal with Schumer, putting that bill together, putting a budget together that no one wants in the form that it's at, is really fomenting revolution in the House. Now we're hearing about you know, motions to discharge. We're hearing about ways to get around the leadership in the House in order to bring that bill to a vote. So... McConnell's leadership in the Senate is really causing problems, not just for Republicans running for office, not just for Republicans in the Senate, but for Republicans in the House, too. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right, Gerard, we have a headline inbound here with the station. So uh, hold the line. And when we get back, we'll pick up right where we left off. I want to talk a little bit about his parting comments, too. Uh, this is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. What brings you here? News Talk Radio. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Hunter Biden is set to testify before the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees today, concluding months of discussions and avoiding a contempt threat. Tucker Carlson revealed during a discussion with podcaster Lex Friedman on Tuesday that U.S. intelligence agents had surveilled him during his recent trip to Russia. The topic of deploying NATO troops directly into Ukraine has publicly emerged, leading to a stern warning from Russia about the inevitability of a direct military conflict between NATO and Russia. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. 
So Gerard, you know, uh, Steve mentioned uh, Mitch McConnell's uh, parting words, and I noticed in his parting words, he did kind of note, you know, maybe, maybe this was uh, just good writing, but he did kind of give a nod of the hat to uh, the next generation, the younger generation of people, which I thought was interesting because, you know, it seems kind of like he's been opposed to a lot of that, uh, you know, the the MAGA wing, if you will, the, the uh, you know, in in the house so i mean what what do you think there do you think he's actually kind of maybe at a point where he's realizing you know but wow this is just not the politics that it used to be well look i i've noticed it myself as i get older we we tend to have a view that these kids today don't know as much as we used to that the things used to be different back in the day we had a kinder gentler way of doing things and then we wake up to the reality that the world always evolves and we need to be with the times. And the nation today is a different place than it was when Mitch McConnell entered the Senate. And what we need today are fighters, people who stand up for our values, well, you know, for, for conservative values, for, for liberals for their values. It's not all about compromise and giving in because that's gotten us in a world of mess. So I think McConnell is tacitly acknowledging that this new generation is one that's fighting for what they believe in more so than previous generations. And that's what we need to be looking at and supporting in the future. Yeah. And I think that goes directly to the point that that, that we're saying that he's a little bit out of touch. I mean, listen, if I'm going to give McConnell credit, uh, I'll give him his due. Uh, thank God that he blocked uh, Merrick Garland. I mean, you know, the disaster that he's been as an AG, imagine him sitting on the court, on the Supreme Court. So thank God we're not talking about a a justice uh, Garland as opposed to a, a one-time AG that's going to go down in infamy as running one of the worst-run DOJs in modern American history. And he also, McConnell also ushered in a lot of conservatives on the bench. Whether it's appellate courts, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, circuit courts, or even the Supreme Court, he he did a good job there. Um, but that's about where my praise ends with Mitch McConnell, especially in the last several years. It does seem that he has kind of lost touch with what the American people want. It's one thing to say, "Oh well, politics didn't used to be this nasty when I was younger." Okay, well, guess what? It's that nasty now because of. Frankly, Democrats, Republicans are guilty of this too, but Democrats have really just turned up the heat on going full-bore Marxist, and McConnell didn't seem up for that fight. Well, the Democrats always have. That's the, Whether it's been secret or not, this has been their shtick for decades. The thing is, the thing that made Trump unique is he was the first candidate to actually stand up to that and say, no, we're not going to keep compromising and cutting deals. I mean, he, he harked back to a period of time where we're going to fight for our values. The other side is very, the, 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 the liberals, the really Marxist apologists in a lot of issues, they have their worldview and they're pushing for it. And we had a generation of conservatives who all they did was, okay, well, let's compromise. Trump said, no, the heck with that. We're going to fight for our values. And that's really what changed the Republican Party. That's what MAGA is when you think about it. That That's what today conservatives are. They're actually people fighting for what they believe in and not just compromising. And Mitch McConnell was the older generation of, well, we'll we have to compromise some things to conduct business. But that's gotten us in a world of trouble. That's gotten the Democrats agenda passed for decades. And that's what Trump stopped. And essentially, if we want to go back to the old way of doing things, then we keep people like McConnell around. But that's not what voters want. Yeah. Right, right. Well, that does seem to be the environment. And speaking of compromise, uh, we're up against more threats of a government shutdown here. Uh, <clears throat> what, what are your thoughts on the, the potential looming government shutdown? These things never seem to 
I don't know. I'm never concerned about government shutdowns. I actually wish they would shut down for a little bit longer. But what what what's your take on the the looming government shutdown? Perhaps I'd be more concerned if it were a snowy winter day and uh, and Joe Biden were younger and a different kind of guy and had interns. Uh, but at this point, you know. There may be a partial shutdown, but it shouldn't be as scary to think about that as it was, because inevitably a budget does get passed. Inevitably, bills get paid. We still conduct business. We don't lose our standing in the world if we actually fight for budgets that are meaningful and that don't have waste in them and that don't include spending for things that we shouldn't be spending on. Will there be a partial shutdown? Probably. I don't know that we can pass a budget this week. So there will be probably a partial shutdown. But inevitably, there will be compromises and we will get a budget and we will move past this. I think a lot of this is rhetoric to make Republicans look bad more than anything else. Yeah. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, is shutdowns these days have a completely different connotation because the media jumps in the fray and not sometimes always sides with the Democrats. Are the Republicans really going to allow the government to be shut down? And then they throw the scare tactics up like like grandma and grandpa won't be getting their Social Security checks. Completely not true. Those checks continue to go out. The armed services are still on duty. They may have to get some back pay, but they're still going to be there. And it's the, the threat of a government shutdown has been used as a weapon, not by uh, Republicans so much, but by Democrats and, frankly, by the media. I, I I don't ever remember it being that way back when Reagan was in office or, hell, even when Bill Clinton was in office. We didn't use shutdowns the way the media hypes them up today. Yeah, every, everything's been politicized and a shutdown is being portrayed by uh, media as another example of how Republicans don't know how to lead and can't get their act together and aren't giving uh, the American people what they need. It's really a tool in the election battle. It's really a tool of the Democratic Party. And we see this with mainstream media. It, it's shameless. We even see this on stations where we don't expect to see it, which is why it's so important for people to hear what you have to say, because you're calling it like it is. This is this is propaganda and the media is buying into it. Yeah. I mean, I was pushing it. Yeah. I I experienced one of these. I was a federal employee, but I think it was 20, I don't know, 11 or 12. They had one of these government shutdowns. And that was the first time I had ever heard of it even being like a talking point in the news or anything. I mean, given I was a little bit apolitical and uh, shied away from too much newsing back then. Well, I guess that was when I actually started news hounding pretty hard. But that was when I noticed it, though. It was like, hmm, is this novel? Is this new? Or And I got to experience how that affected me as a government employee. I lost a couple weeks of pay. I think it might have just been uh, one, I don't know, one pay period, maybe two weeks. And, you know, everybody at work was like, hey, this kind of sucks. What's this about? You know, and then boom, we're off and running again. No, no interruption in services or anything like that. And that's that's the reality. The reality is it it sucks for a little bit of time, but then it is business as normal. And if anything, this tells us that perhaps we need to find a better way of doing budgets so that we're not doing it year to year at the last minute with all these add-ons that no one wants, that this should be a more transparent process and it should start far earlier than we leave it for. That way we don't even have the threat of a shutdown. We just keep the government going. Yeah, I'll tell you the, the most the, the 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 tackiest thing I ever saw uh, when the and these budget battles, God, they've become ubiquitous with D.C. lately. But the tackiest one I ever saw was when Obama shut down the World War Two Memorial when all those and God knows there's very few of them left now. But even back then, they were dying hundreds by the week. 
and he shut down the World War II memorial to make it look as if the Republicans did this. That was so pathetic. But uh, there you go. That's where we are these days, I guess. If I remember correctly, they somehow had money in the budget to have people threatening to arrest veterans trying to go over the uh, chain link fence to the memorial that was closed, but they couldn't get it together to keep it open. It's that's that's the political stunt that Obama was known for. Indeed. Yep. That was that same year that happened in October of 2013. So exactly around that same time. All right, Gerard, we got to let you go. We're out of time here. Uh, we appreciate you joining us, and we'll look forward to your next appearance here. Uh, find Gerard at the Lawfare Project. Of course, Gerard, thanks for being with us on State of the Nation today. Pleasure as always. Thank you, guys. All Take right. Care, this is today's News Talk TNT. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The weather across the United States has turned exactly opposite of what I thought it would turn. It's become very, very warm. Now, the reason this is happening is because the water around Australia has warmed dramatically and unpredictably warmed dramatically. And this creates a different phase of the Madden-Julian oscillation than what I anticipated happening before the winter. You see, the computer models, and we have to use them to look at sea surface temperatures, weren't predicting anything like this. This sudden warming happened in January, but not be from man-made sources. It had to be something natural going on that we don't know about. In any case, people are blaming climate change. I have no problem with that. The climate is changing. It's been changing. It will always change. But when people start saying you are a denier, all they are doing is using ad hominem attacks to try to equate you with the miserable people that denied what happened in the Holocaust. And that should raise red flags as to what these people are all about. Climate change is real. It is 99.9% .9 natural, and the impact of man has very little to do with it. And there is no denying that. This is T. TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Internet crimes against children in New Mexico are real. And when it comes to protecting your children, the New Mexico AG's office and the ICAC unit are on the front lines. I'm New Mexico Attorney General Hector Balderas. There's nowhere to hide for online predators in New Mexico. We are working tirelessly using state-of-the-art technology and resources to seek out and find them wherever they are. Please talk to your children about the dangers that exist online, social media, games, and messenger apps. It's always important to know who you're talking to. Help fight online predators in New Mexico by submitting a tip today. Interviews, news, and views. You're listening to State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Well, uh, California has ushered in 2024 with free health care for more than 700,000 illegal migrants in the Golden State and at the same time is faced with a looming $68 billion deficit, maybe even higher. I keep seeing that number go up. Uh, this, you know, and California has been providing free health care uh, insurance to illegal immigrants who are under 26 years old since 2019. But uh, this new program that has be that just begun this uh, January of this year, um, we're told it will provide more illegal immigrants with health insurance under the state's 
Medi-Cal coverage um, and the ages of are now going from 26 to 49. So, so they're adding that whole age group right there. And it's a massive, massive expenditure. Joining us now to discuss is our friend, California State Senator Brian Jones. Senator Jones, welcome back to State of the Nation. Um, Good let's afternoon, guys. Take a, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming back and joining us. We really appreciate it. So, how will free health insurance for illegal immigrants, uh, which is expected to cost $2.6 annually, what's the effect on the state and what's uh, the effect on your constituents? Well, the, there's actually multiple effects on the state and my constituents. First of all, the, the expense that you quoted, but the entire program over the course of the next couple of years is over $4 billion. I wrote a letter to the governor earlier in the year asking him just to suspend this project uh, program for a period of time to help us catch up. You uh, quoted $68 billion for the current deficit. The uh, LAO Legislative An Analyst Office, which is a nonpartisan uh, office of the legislature, uh, just last week updated that to $73 billion. The May revise comes out uh, by May 10th. None of us will be surprised if the deficit actually grows to $100 billion uh, very few of, uh, of us will be surprised if that happens. Now, obviously, we don't want that to happen. Uh, so that's one effect. The other effect is it's it acts as a draw uh, for immigrants from other countries to want to come to California. So currently, right now, the daily rate of illegal immigrants coming across the border in San Diego County alone, uh, which is about, I think, the border in San Diego from uh, the ocean to Imperial County, I think it's about 80 miles uh, right now, 800 to 900 illegal immigrants every single day are coming across the border somewhere in San Diego. And that has grown since Texas has, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, the state there with the with their National Guard has closed their border to Ill illegal crossings. Now, uh, the migrant uh, population has moved to California. Look, these cartels in Mexico that are getting rich off of this whole scam that the Biden administration is participating on, they're very smart. Uh, and they know that when the border's closed in one area, they're gonna find a weakness someplace else. And for uh, a long period of time, San Diego used to be the most secure part of the border, but we have vulnerabilities as well in that 80 mile length of border. And so now the cartels have learned where there's gaps in that current border wall, and here's the, the interesting thing about that. And I can have my communications director send you some pictures. The Mexican government has set up tents on the Mexico side of the border in these rural and desert areas because the cartels have moved so much infrastructure and so many people out to the desert uh, to cross the border that the Mexican government was forced to have a response, uh, just to have a humanitarian response for the people that are being impacted by this crossing. So that's that's two impacts. Uh, and then the third one is the ongoing expense of this coverage that you're you're calling uh, medical insurance, Medi-Cal coverage. Here's what's already happening in California. As Medi-Cal coverage has been expanded, medical access has decreased, meaning that as more and more people, the governor says and promises you're covered for medical insurance, the medical reimbursement rates have dropped to the point where fewer and fewer doctors are actually taking Medi-Cal patients, refusing to take that patient because they're not getting paid for their services. 
And so now there's fewer doctors. So these illegal immigrants that think they have the promise of coverage actually don't have any access once they get here and want to actually go see a doctor. So it's all a, a paper tiger. It's all a sham uh, being sold by the governor uh, to our leftist liberal friends in the Bay Area thinking that they're doing some good, compassionate work, which they're really not. It's actually the opposite of that because these people are coming thinking they're going to get to see a doctor and they actually aren't. And 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 the people in California that are on Medi-Cal rightfully also are being impacted in a negative way because those same doctors that they were seeing a couple of years ago are now no longer taking Medi-Cal. So the people that are already here aren't seeing those doctors either. God. I mean, it's just... Uh... Yeah, you know, I, I think what needs to happen with Medi-Cal is they need to remove all coverage from the illegals and then shift it towards mental health coverage for the people that think they're doing good. Maybe we should get some <laughs> mental health coverage for some of these people that keep voting this nonsense in. Right. And, you know, right. you know, Senator, it's great to see you again. And welcome back to the show. Thank I, you. I just, Appreciate it. Yeah, I just... um. We've been covering this now, hell, since Hesher and I have done a show. I've covered it on my own solo show. I know Brian did as well. And back in those days, we were talking about Eagle Pass, and we were talking about Brownsville, and we were talking about... And you're right. These cartels are not stupid, uh, and, and they're also not poor. They've made billions of dollars off of this. So they just shifted their, their whole thing to California. What drives me nuts, though, is the politicians, Obama was infamous for this, that would raise this issue and say, we, this is not who we are. We don't right. turn these people away. Have you right. ever read the plaque on the Statue of Liberty? All this nonsense, this, this right. emotional claptrap when the people of California are suffering. And frankly, a lot of people are leaving the state because of nonsense like this. Um, I don't know. What do you think is going to happen with Gavin Newsom? Because it, he... I, I, I'm just at a loss for what how do you, how you proceed in California as the minority leader there. Uh, yeah. well, Gavin Newsom's, I mean, he's living in some kind of uh, fantasy land, la la land, to think that he is popular enough to take his governance that he has exhibited here in California and take that countrywide. Because uh, here's what we know: you know, our our primaries are coming up next Tuesday on March 5th. And so obviously we're doing a lot of polling in a lot of these different districts around uh, California. So for your viewers sake in California, there's 40 senators, 20 of those Senate seats are up for election this year. There's 80 assembly seats or house of representatives. Some states call them, we call them the assembly here in California. There's 80 of those seats, all 80 of those seats are up for election. Each one of those 80 seats represents about 500,000 people. They're the largest house of representative seats in the country. We are seeing in many of these seats uh, that Gavin Newsom won just two years ago by double digits, 10, 12, 13, 14%, whatever the number was two years ago, he is now upside down. And in some cases, he's upside down in these districts, 10, 12, 13, he's done a complete 30 point swing to the negative in a lot of these districts. In more of the districts, he may have won by four or five or 6%, he's underwater, by the same four or five or 6% now. So if he was running for re-election today, it's highly unlikely that he would get re-elected. Joe Biden, supposedly one of the most popular uh, presidents of our time, got more votes for president than any president nominee before him, is upside down almost across the state in California. 
California voters are beginning to realize and coming to realize that these socialist democratic policies that Governor Newsom and Joe Biden have been shoving down our throat for the last four years are 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 failing and and voters are starting to see it and starting to react. And uh, we think that we're going to have some surprise victories in the primary next week. And that will uh, stretch out into November and we'll have some surprise victories in November as well. I sure hope so. That would be absolutely amazing. You know, I noticed uh, two days ago there was an article that popped up. I haven't seen a lot of uh, scuttlebutt in the mass media about it, but maybe you're seeing it in California. I'm sure you probably already know, but uh, the conservative activists are launching another attempt to recall uh, Governor Newsom. And I believe that is uh, led by Rescue California. So uh, that effort seems to be reinvigorated right now. And that might play into what you're talking about right here. Well, uh, yeah, it might. Unfortunately, that's an effort that uh, I'm not going to get on board with right now. And and a, a lot of our Republican leaders aren't as well. And here's why. We've got some very, uh, very important legislative races, both in the Assembly and the Senate this year, that we really have some real opportunities to change the direction of the legislature in California. And unfortunately, that effort, I believe, is just going to be a distraction from those efforts. Uh, there's going to be a lot of you know, excitement and political excitement from the right on that. And I understand that completely. Obviously, I'm conservative. I'm a Republican. Uh, and, uh, and I want Newsom to go, too. But the recall has been tried. It failed, unfortunately. He's only got a year and a half to go in, in this term. We need to focus on March 5th next week, and we need to focus on November on winning these uh, legislative seats. And unfortunately, I think that's going to be a distraction that's going to deter attention and more importantly, money away from the efforts that we need to focus on. You know, I, you know, I don't live in California. I have no intention of moving there. No offense. <laughs> love it. Beautiful state. Well, come visit. I you come visit San Diego anytime. Yeah, I'd love to, uh, I, listen, I'm in New Jersey, so trust me, it's not like I'm, it's not like I have a room to talk, but I would hey, say you're just the same thing. I, you're just the same I know, thing. The I know. The country. You're right. Yeah. yeah we're, <laughs> I always refer to us as one of the parentheses States. You've got America right. yeah. and then you've got yeah. these, uh, but I tend to agree with you though, Senator. I, I think that, uh, these recall efforts sound great and they get the people going. They're like, yes, get these signatures. Let's boot this SOB out of office. The problem with them is when they fail, it's almost like kryptonite for Superman. I mean, you know, it, it, right. it, it, it reinvigorates them. Uh, well, you know, in California, that, that, that's a, that's a really good observation. And, 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 and functionally here in California, the way the election law is set up, is we have contribution limits in any race that we're running for, except when there's a recall. So now the governor has no race to run for right now in California, but now that there's a recall afoot, now he can start fundraising and there's no limits to how much he can raise. So all, all this recall effort has done is now give him more ammo to, to communicate more his broken message uh, across the country. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I totally understand your point and I agree with you. It seems like there are a number of attainable open goals there in California right. uh, with regard to, um, you know, uh, the, the, the primaries coming up. So, yeah, definitely. Um, that makes really good sense. And, you know, I also noticed um, getting back to what we started talking about here. Um, 
there was a, a a great flip-flop video that you sent us that showed Gavin Newsom talking about this topic in 2021 versus what's going on currently. Uh, those are those are absolutely great. I love the way that video was done. Tell us what happened there and and why the well, big I, flip-flop. Sure, so, you know, um, my staff were reviewing some things that he put out last week or the week before, and and one of my com- communications director, I got to give her a shout out, Nina. Uh, remembered that there was a video from 2021, I believe, or 2019, of him saying the exact opposite. Um, and so they put that together uh, to send this out. And it's actually gotten over 600,000 views. Uh, it's created a lot of media inquiry, which is what we need in California. We need the media, the free press, to do its job and just present what's going on and actually uh, pursue some truth in what the governor keeps putting out. And actually, it's not really that brilliant to be able to find Gavin Newsom contradicting himself. I think back to 2019 in his State of the State address when he's talking about the high-speed rail. And in the same paragraph, he starts the paragraph by saying we need to end the high-speed rail because it's not working. And the last sentence in that same paragraph is we need to keep funding the high-speed rail until we find a solution to make it work. And so he's continuously contradicting himself and I think the voters are finally uh, picking up, picking up on that, and and we're going to continue to show that, and we're going to continue to find instances where we can show him contradicting himself. The rest of the country needs to know what they're considering when they're thinking about Gavin Newsom ever leaving California for another elected office. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say the biggest contradiction, the biggest flip flop is. Don't go home. Don't leave. Stay six feet apart. Mask up. Double mask up, for God's right, sakes. Right. Uh, and, oh, by the way, I, if you need me, I'll be at the French Laundry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, exactly. you know, I mean, that, that's that's kind of the news. That's kind of what's uh, uh, the, the, the folks that don't live in California, when they think of Gavin Newsom and they're political in any way, they're like, oh, wait a minute. Isn't this the guy that? But uh, yeah, if, and if then he you, only they had... need to understand that that wasn't a one off. That wasn't an accident. That wasn't. Oh, I'm sorry. And remember, he never apologized. Uh, that's just how he is. That's how he operates. He thinks he, he lives in an ivory tower and he thinks the rest of us are here to uh, fund the government that he wants to spend. Yeah, it, it, it's it's rather absurd. But you mentioned something, Senator. You said the rest of the nation ought to really understand who this man is before they put him in another elected office. And of course, we know what you're saying. They're going to try and parachute this guy in during the convention or maybe before the convention, don't you think? Right. Well, that's a look, that can certainly be a real possibility. There's a historical precedence in both parties for that happening. I, I think back, I think originally that's how Teddy Roosevelt got the nomination. Um, and then there's been Democrat presidents that's ha- that's happened as well. So it's not unprecedented. And there, there's rules in place to be able to make that happen. So we all should be operating under that that is they're in the realm of possibilities. Now, whether it really does happen or not, I don't know. And I would argue that the Democrat Party right now has a lot of other more qualified, reasonable people that if they do need to parachute somebody in, it ought to be one of those people and not Gavin Newsom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, um, we're almost out of time here, Senator Jones, but uh, in our final minute, um, why, I want to give the floor to you so you can speak to our California watchers and listeners out there, because uh, this is pretty important. So over to you for our final minute. 
Well, first of all, I want to encourage your viewers and listeners to subscribe to my social media at SEN Brian Jones, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm the most followed California state legislator uh, on Instagram. And there's a reason for that, because we're putting out uh, poignant stuff that matters to the voters and the taxpayers of California. It's not about me. It's about the information that we're putting out and, and, and efforts like you guys are doing every single day. We want to know we want to make sure that Californians know the truth about their state capital and what's happening legislatively and what's happening with the governor's office and the solutions that Republicans, myself and our Senate colleagues and our assembly colleagues, Republican colleagues are putting forth efforts that make sense, actually work, have sound political science behind them. And we're working to fix California and make California the best state in the country like it ought to be and like it's always has been. And we're going to restore it and make it the best. All right. I love it. I love it as a Get native Californian. We appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right. Senator Brian Jones, thank, thank you, you so much. Again, follow the senator at send Brian Jones on Instagram and other social media platforms. We'll look forward to speaking with you again, Senator. Thank you for joining us here at State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT.